Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the fourth episode of Mistress Money's podcast. Um, today, we have the man, the myth, the legend, how to change the game on NFTs and the utility as a social movement. Um, my very special guest, Willis Glyph Spudnik Price. Um, welcome, Glyph. Hey, how are you? I am. I am. I'm good. I'm good. I'm gonna go with that one. <laughs> I'm good. Um, okay. <laughs> Good. Um, so, so you know, this is a little bit out of what I normally do. Um, this is a, a, an NFT project. We're not really going to talk about that. We're going to talk about your artwork and who you are as an artist and and some background. Um, so, so let's jump right into it. Who's Glyph? Why Glyph? Well, Glyph is like my my alter ego. You know, <laughs> kind of like yeah, Clark Kent and Superman. I like it. When I sit down and draw, I'm glyph. You know, when I'm out and about, I'm glyph. You know, when I'm at home, I'm probably Willis. <laughs> you know, when wow. I'm talking to like, you know, my girlfriend or something like that, I'm Willis. You know, that's like none of none of the women I've loved ever called me glyph. <laughs> you know, uh, glyph came about when I was in uh, grade school, and um, I was into like a lot of hip hop and rap. So I was trying to think of a name for myself. <laughs> like, what would I call myself if I was a rapper? You know, I started writing rhymes when I was little because I was fascinated with word structure and just being in, into hip-hop, you know, in the right. 90s. So uh, yeah. yeah, my dad had this book on his shelf. I forgot the title of it, but, you know, it had a Sphinx on the cover. And uh, at the time, there was a group out called Hieroglyphics. And I was like, man, they got they got the coolest name, like, you know. And, like, this book was always, like, a favorite book of my dad. So, like, you know, I was thinking, like, I'd incorporate Sphinx somehow. So I was thinking, Glyph. I was like, man, somebody already got that. So I just called it, I called myself G-Wiz for a while. And G stood for Glyph. When I got in high school, I just changed it to Glyph instead of G-Wiz. <laughs> gotcha. And, and I would do graffiti and write Glyph. You know, something quick that I could tag on the wall. Back in my young younger days when I could go out and do graffiti <laughs> illegally. Illegal. <laughs> I'm glad you added that. Um, I actually am completely fascinated with graffiti art. Um, you know, growing up in New York, the subway um, wasn't much else to look at, right? right? On the subway, that's all you saw, right? Um, going down, coming up. Um, and now it's like these great works of art, right? But that's, that's yeah. primarily what it was. And it's really for a kid from Brooklyn, it's really your first taste of art, right? Um, yeah. it, it, it genuinely is. It's 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 the underground, man. It's 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 the movement, right? Yeah. Um, and, I'm, and I'm always from Chicago, and it touched it touched me. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, like New York hip hop and just like underground stuff. Like I saw B Street, I fell in love, man. Like with the hip hop, yeah, you know, like, uh, <laughs> right. Facts. Like, me and my, Facts. Me and my dad was like somewhere like 95th and Dan Ryan. I saw a dude with a boombox, and he was playing like some hip hop, and I had never heard this song before. It just sounds so good. I'm like, I'm like, Dad, what is that? Like, how can we all listen to that? Like, <laughs> I was a little kid. I'm, I'm holding my dad's hand. That's how little I am. Right. And I'm like, man, what is that? Like, what is that music? You like, he's like, oh, that's hip hop. You'll learn about it one day. I'm like, man, we need to listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> Facts instead of church songs. I feel you. Feel you. That. So good. That was just into yeah. it, you know. Because my dad was originally from like Harlem. But, you know, I never got to go out to the East Coast when I was younger. And I never met my grandfather, but, uh, yeah, but he was, like, my grandfather from, uh, uh, where was he from? I think he was from uh, Buffalo, New York. My dad was born in uh, Harlem. But he moved to Cleveland, so most of his people were from Cleveland that I knew of. So, I don't know. There there may be some kind of East Coast connection to why I like hip-hop so much. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think it, it speaks to... The inner artist in all of us, right? Um, you know, I, I I just remember vividly staring at the walls and the use of color, mm. um, the lines and how slow it connected with me. It connected with me um, because typically when you look at art and um, things like the Mona Lisa, which is you know popular and Moonlight and all of these other things. Um, it, it, it's a sense of not reality, 
Because that's not that wasn't my reality growing up in Brooklyn, right? right. Um, but that the art on the subway, the art on the on the walls of the buildings, in the in in the elevators, right? That spoke right. to because it was chaos. And out of that chaos, these lines connected to form such a pattern that was just fascinating to me. So I definitely have a passion for graffiti art. And I can see why it would inspire an artist um, to want to learn more, to do more, to hear more. Um, The roots of of hip hop started with lyrics, right? So I get your connection to words and word structure and why glyph. It makes sense. It makes sense. Because it touches on all of those things, right? It's creativity. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And Glyph, the name itself is just like uh, a pictorial symbol. You know what I mean? So like, it's like any letter is a Glyph. Any any picture of, um, you know, like country, those are Glyphs. You know, like each yeah. one of those is a different Glyph. So that's another reason why I chose the name because it's like an alphabet. It's like the universal name for any alphabet, you know? And then the Sputnik, I got that because uh, that came about a much later, like, you know, I need to... Uh, it's like it was weird because like I was working at the airport doing security before like nine eleven, and like uh, it might have been before a little bit after nine eleven, but it wasn't like the government had taken over the airport yet. The those jobs, those security jobs. Yeah. So I was working there. I was younger, and uh, they had like a a whole like section of O'Hare Airport that had like a Sputnik, like um like the, the name and like what it was. And like, for some reason, I was fascinated and drawn to it. And I was looking at it like, wow, that's pretty cool. I should add that to like my name, <laughs> and like you know, and I was on MySpace at the time. MySpace. Oh my, my god! Like, yeah, our age is telling. Our age is telling. It's all yeah, good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and Friendster, Friendster accounts. Nah, well, oh, uh, oh my god! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was in college, and I was just like, you know, I'm gonna just put a nice name on there, Sputnik. Glad Sputnik. Those are two words that I've never seen together before. Like, you know, what I'm saying so. Like, I put those together, and it, it sounded pretty cool. It looked pretty cool visually. Because, like, you know, as a graffiti writer, you know, those letters, they just, they kind of run off together in a nice way. So I thought that was be cool. And ever since then, I just called myself Glyph Sputnik. I thought it was pretty cool. And then it has, like, the whole, like, Spacely Sprockets, Cosmo Cogs, Glyph Sputniks, you know, future, futuristic kind of thing, like uh, the Jetsons. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like it. I, I do. It's unique. It's unique. Um, it, it draws you in. Um, the flow of the letter, the flow of the lines, and I can see why um, you say, you know, it's the universal alphabet, right? Because immediately, um, when you look at something, at least for me, and I'm captured by the visuals, I'm, I'm automatically searching to identify it. My brain is searching to identify it. Um, and so I'm drawn to the signature. That's what I'm looking for. Who is this guy, right? How do I learn more? Where do I see more? Um, so it's visually very appealing. I get it. I get it. Because um, at first, when you say Sputnik, I kept thinking for some reason Russian sp- satellite or Russian spy. Oh, really? Spy? Yeah. <laughs> no, Sputnik. I think that, that I I can't remember. One of these days, that it'll click in my brain. But I think it had to have been with like a, a, a old James Bond film that I watched or something like that. Who yeah. knows? But, um, but it was a Russian spy a satellite, though. It wasn't a spy. Like. It was. It wasn't a satellite. I knew no, it was no, something. No, no, it was know. a satellite. It was, oh, it was a satellite. Yeah. Okay, there we go. It's a satellite, <laughs> but it's, it's like a, it's a ball with like spikes coming off of it. It looks cool, like you know, it looks like it looks it looks futuristic for the past. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like 1970s futuristic. It's like a ball with spikes coming out of it, like like these long antennas coming out of it so <laughs> i thought I that was crazy later. Like, i was like man i saw it because i saw it at the airport yeah i saw like the you know i just assumed everybody knew what it was i didn't even explain it yeah <laughs> no it's it but, yeah. yeah it triggered man are you I, useless information that's what my brain holds useless information <laughs> um and sooner or later i'll find a reason to put it together right but yeah that's what that's definitely what it reminded me of um and then i got to know you right um right talking i got to looking at your art um and it's just really really fascinating for me um i i love i absolutely love steampunk 80s um big comic book fan um in in that superhero genre right um very much an advocate for for women and women's rights and so that was always my pet peeve 
when you do get a comic book and you're really excited about it and it has a female lead and she hasn't any clothes on, right? I've, I've got weapons myself and, and it's like, dude, she'll never dress like that to shoot a weapon, right? right. Stupid right. thing that comes to my <laughs> mind. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Stupid I'm shit like, that comes to my mind. <laughs> I'm comics. Like comics were like, comics were like my escape as a child. You know, like I was, I was into like two things, well, three things mainly, like comic books, hip hop, uh, drawing and uh, video games, basically. So, comic books—that was like my first love, really. Because, like, you know, I, I used to like to draw a lot. You know, I didn't know what hip hop was yet, but like, every time I go to Walgreens, I would see comic books and I beg for them. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, you know, can I get this comic book? Can I get this comic book? You know, and uh, you know, and then I started like figuring out like who the artists were and like who the illustrators were. I was more drawn to the illustrators, so I knew all the illustrators' names and like. Who would like draw certain books? Like my mm. favorites were like Jim Lee and like uh, Welsh Rotacio and it's like all the old school guys at Marvel were like Rob Liefeld and and stuff like that. And uh, and uh, you know, I would just like start going to the comic book store as a kid, like downtown, catching the, the train. Me and some of my friends, we'd go down there and buy comic books, hang out in the comic book store on like all the new release days, and like you know, make a whole day of it, get a slice of pizza. Get like a sketchbook from the store and hit up the comic book store. That's what we did. That was our thing, like, you know, with our allowance. So I collected a lot of comic books growing up. And, uh, you know, I didn't read them though. My thing was, I didn't like to read comic books. I, I used to look at the art. Like, at the time, like, uh, I would read Wizard World, like the Wizard books. They had these books called Wizard that are basically like um, a comic book collector's guide. And they, and they give you like all the new comic books coming out. And, they had backstories on the artists and stuff like that. So I would read that to see what was new and um, just to know the artists. And most of the artists that drew comics, you know, you, you got the drawers and your writers and then you got inkers and colors. And like most people who draw, they, you know, they always said, I don't read the books. I just look at the art. So I picked okay. up that mentality from them. Yeah. But I look yeah. back, I'm like, man, I should have been reading those damn books. <laughs> but now, yeah. you know, you know, I didn't start reading them until I, manga. Like I started getting into manga when I became like, older like a teenager so like when i got into manga then i would start reading them because it was more it was really interesting to me like manga is a little different and like nobody wore costumes and i and i really was drawn to that like like you said nobody was half naked really in the manga that i was reading like there was no like naked women like you know or like the guys weren't wearing like super tight shirts or nothing like everything was like realistic so it was like realistic storylines with people that were like dressed like normal and then that's when I started incorporating like more of uh, the way I dress and the way I want to see like hip hop and stuff. Cause I was like, you know, about that age where I learned about fashion and express myself in that kind of way. And, uh, you know, look towards Wu-Tang for like, you know, and like a lot of hip hop dudes from the, the East coast and we got a lot of style from there. Wu-Tang was definitely huge, man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like all the East coast, uh, styles and, you know, uh, just hip hop, and then West Coast hip hop too, like with Chuck Taylors and she's being from Chicago, got like a lot of like uh, influences from every coast. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. from everywhere, down south, from everywhere, you get like a lot of different influences because you know we're not on the coast. You know, we're in the middle, so it's like, you know, I'm, I'm looking at everything. You know, so I'm trying to see like what's good. You know, <laughs> especially it's that it. age. Yeah, it's the it's the influence. You you still you're still trying to find that part of yourself. Um, creating is it, it to me. Um, it's it's a wonderment, right? Um, yeah. You you pull this thing, right? You pull this thing, and then you pull it in a manner that, like, I understand the technicality of how you do it. But the imagery, right? The imagery, like, like, how does your brain? Right? That's that's what gets me, right? It's like I understand the technical. You take pen to paper, but it's not that simple. It's not that simple. It's not that easy. Um, creating the process of of getting it from your head to paper and then fine tuning it on how you want it to look, just based on everyday random shit that you see. That's a gift. 
that's a gift. It, to be able to tell a story visually is a gift. Um, that's that's all we've ever known from caveman days to now, right? We still yeah. tell that story visually. We still tell that story visually. So visual artists, um, I think, are really becoming into their own and, and owning that creative process and owning the monetization of it through NFTs, right? Um, yeah. it, it really is because before that, it, this was just an underground cult, right? This right. was then, you, you know, you're either working it for someone else and, um, and they're getting all the credit, you know, for example, Disney's illustrators, I bet you not anybody could, could name the illustrator, but they could tell you the name of the book or the name right. of the movie, right? Exactly. Or, or, or the, the production house that created it, but they don't know who the artist is behind all that beautiful work of art, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and coming into the blockchain, um, and it's it's why I'm so fascinated and just really go down that rabbit hole of the blockchain is the possibilities that it offers. It's the things that it can bring um, and allow that that has always existed, but never had empowerment of before. Um, an artist now, a true visual artist now have control over not only their creative process, they have pre, um, control over monetization of that process, right? Yeah. Um, time lapse of recording of their work um, and then monetization of the work itself. Before you had to find an art gallery that may or may not have liked your style and then find a sponsor for your art um, just to show the world what you can do. Um, the blockchain has changed that. It has changed that in a massive way with NFTs. How are you transitioning into that space? Well, to be honest, it's like the blockchain is like the big payoff, I believe, for like a lot of artists like myself who uh, strive to be really good and have the aesthetic to get into the industry. And then, you know, at some point you just forget about even trying to get in because like it seems like there's a, a disconnect where uh, you just can't make it into the industry. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like as good as my work is, as great as my ability to draw is, and like, I can draw anything with my eyes closed. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's still hard to crack that egg and like, who do I know that can put me into this company or that company? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know all these people. Yeah, there you know people, they are intimidated by you, don't want to put you on because they're lose their job, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah. there's a lot of stuff going on. It's a lot of politics, and it's just like, you know, like, not everybody gets a chance to, you know, and then it's like, you know, being a minority is like, you know, only so many <laughs> spots <laughs> for you, you know what I mean? Like, to be honest, that's just how it is, you know what I mean? So it's like, I make a lot of clients on my own, you know, I got out there and put my own name out there, you know, uh, I got out there and, uh, and do what I need to do to network and create my own little thing for myself, you know, like go to go into business for myself and learn how to do things That's for right. self. You know, yeah. and then stop like worrying about trying to get in get in with other people and impress them, just do my best. And like now it's like, you know, they got a thing where you can be awarded, you know what I'm saying? Like on your own, you just do it NFTs and, and do that kind of stuff where it's like, you know, you you own your own work and you get paid you know, accordingly to what you build for yourself, your own platform, you know what I'm saying? So I, I, I'm totally in for that because, you know, that's Apple's only choice, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. you know, I, can, I can't depend on, you know, like big industry to pay me, you know what I'm saying? So I, I think it's important to talk about when you say there are only so many spots, right, for, for the BIPOC community, for people of color. Um, yeah. And that competition, I can't put you on because if I put you on, you just might take over my position, right? We're all crabs in a barrel trying to type, climb our way to the top. It is that mentality um, that has kept, um, and, and not just not just the BIPOC community, but people on the whole, right? right? Society on the whole. It, it is very much a systematic deployment of how you keep the 1% on top. I think the blockchain has the blockchain has revolutionized um, that power back to the masses. I think it has changed the game in such a manner that it has broken down industries that has had that literal foot on the neck of creativity. 
um, because we're not just talking about art. We're talking about music too, right? Um, right. Empowerment that can now go back to the creatives that I can't do, but we all enjoy, right? These are right. things that are that are like breathing to us. It is that natural. Music, um, visual art. Um, these things are natural to us. A well-written word, reading a book, all of these things, being engaged, um, it fires the imagination. It makes you think that anything is possible. It inspires you to push forward with your own ideas and your own concepts um, and the way you see your own reality. This is what art inspires, right? right. Because it's a right. visual representation of things that can be possible. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. <laughs> but like, you got to well, do that grind, right? Uh-huh. You, you got to do, you, you said it. Um, It was grinding. Um, You know, nobody handed it to you. You had to get out there and you had to do the hustle and maybe you had to do it 10 times harder than the next person. Um, But then the success that comes with it can't be taken away. It wasn't, it wasn't gifted. You wasn't born into it. It is the empire that you choose to build for yourself with understanding that sacrifices were necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Spot on. You know, there's a lot to be said about it. You know, like, you know, it is, uh, that's the spirit of this country in general too. Like, you know, a lot of people came over here and made something from nothing. You know what I mean? Like, and why should it stop? (laughs) You know, it's like, I mean, there's always new ways to create new things. You know what I'm saying? So, we should be constantly making new stuff and like this blockchain the NFT. A lot of people are afraid of it or they don't get it or they don't like it, but I embrace it. I feel like it's a very important part of really uh, getting people's names out there, making people their owners of their own artwork and controllers of their own destiny to some degree. You know what I'm saying? It's important. No, absolutely. I fully agree Great. with you. Yeah. Um, I, there is a certain amount of fear. Um, but I'm not surprised where that fear is being generated from, right? Um, you, you, you get it. I get it. I get it from my friends all the time. Um, you do what, (laughs) right? You're into what? Like, like you're just this weird person. Um, because in their mind, the programming is, is always, um, it's different. And when you're different, um, you stand out, but not in a good way, right? Right. Never in a good way. Um, and creatives have always been um, held at arm's length, so to speak, because you're celebrated if if the art you portray is quote unquote normal, right? Um, but be abstract like Picasso, be different like Da Vinci. Back in the day, these guys weren't celebrated, man. They were hunted by the church because the things that they created was so not the norm. It was so outside of what um, was acceptable. And, 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 and at the end of the day, um, it wasn't the masses that set those expectations. It's the programming that they were handed. Um, the blockchain changes that. It opens up an avenue for you to engage um, in things that are visually stimulating um, music as well. There's so many more independent artists um, that have come to light through platforms like TikTok. Um, Facebook had a big part in it too, but there were still a lot of restrictions with Facebook, right? Um, but yeah. TikTok really has pushed it to a whole new level. Um, I've followed several creators on there um, and just really admire the stuff that they make, whether it's jewelry, clothing, um, visual art, whether it's food, um, it opens up the possibilities and it opens up for connection within the world, right? right? Um, because I wouldn't try a certain dish because it's not in my normal everyday life, but I see it on TikTok and I want to try it. Um, it's the same for art. If you're not exposed to it, you don't know that it exists. Um, yeah. I absolutely love the colors um, your vivid imagination put on paper. Um, it, it, it speaks to me about possibilities. That's what I get from it. Speaks to me of possibilities and, and the future. I, I, I am not one of those people that fear change, that, that is stuck in the past. 
I feel like we're born to just keep moving forward, right? Right. Uh, Every single day is an opportunity to hit that reset and do things differently. That's a gift. That's a gift. And again, it hits on the name, Glyph Sputnik, because Glyph is ancient and forever pretty much like, you know, there's always going to be Glyph and then Sputnik is the future, you know what I mean? Like moving forward. So it's like Glyph Sputnik, like, the past and the, and, the, and, the, and the present and future type deal. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of yeah. how I came up with it. But I don't know. Not to tie uh, things back into that. Just, you know, I was just thinking about it because what you were saying just made a lot of sense. No, it does. It does. It doesn't. Don't, don't, there's nothing to apologize for. This, this, the whole point of this is from your perspective, right? Um, I know you're coming out with a, with a pretty big project soon and we're going to touch on that. But, but it's important, I think, for my listeners. Um, to get to know who Glyph is, right? Um, and, and, and I think it's also important to talk about that personality split, right? Because you said what I am creating when I am drawing, um, I'm Glyph for my family, I'm Willis. But when I'm in this space, because I think that for me, being the parent of a child that's gifted like that, um, it's what she struggles with the most. Right. Um, being able to have the discipline to live everyday life and do regular stuff and not be sitting with pen and paper all day long because it's she's driven by what she sees in our head. Right. Um, yeah. Oftentimes I'm taking sketch pad and paint like I don't think there's a spot in my house that does not have a watercolor and oil paint and acrylic pencil anywhere. Yeah. Right. Um nice. You know, I'm collecting the stuff from, from since seven, I'm collecting the stuff off of her bed when she falls asleep. She goes, no, she has a pocketbook. I'm not a pocketbook fan, but she has a pocketbook. She has varying sizes of canvas paper um, to draw on, right? I, I mean, yeah. down to freaking newspaper, bro. Newspaper, uh, right? <laughs> right? Dedicated. Yeah. I remember those days, like, growing up, like, it was almost like a romance, you know, having, like, even when I was like writing raps or like, uh, you know, it was very romantic for me. You know, it was very intimate for me to draw and uh, do, uh, you know, poetry and stuff like that. Cause like I would sit at the table by myself and go into my own world. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it, it's like a feeling you get when you're, when you're very young and you're doing it. It's, it's still there, but when you get older, it's not the same exactly, but you feel it. You know what I mean? But as a kid, I was like so sensitive to it it felt like a romance you know what i'm saying like it was like, it was like a love you know what i mean it's, it's that, interesting that is i think you hit it right on the head right there that nail right on the head it, it's that love um you know you one of the things that that that's really stuck with me from my childhood was um if you are able to do what you love and earn a living from it you will understand what happiness can be um, there are many of us that spend 10, 12 hours a day with people we don't like in places we don't like. That's right. the job. That's the grind, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go home and then all of a sudden you walk in that door and it's like a weight off of your shoulder because right. now you can be who you are. Um, and not only do you get to be who you are, you get to do the things that you enjoy to be able to, to create and living that world and earn a living by it as well. Um, while not everything in your life can be happy, um, mm-hmm. moments of happiness is what we all live for. Just moments of happiness. Um, no one, I think, can be truly satisfied with being happy all the time. We're just right. not made that way. I, <laughs> it's a fact. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're just not made that way. Um, it, it's the argument why the matrix failed. <laughs> Right. It is the it is the standing argument of why why the matrix failed. Like human beings can't function in a utopia. Um we, we need to have that diversity um in order to push those barriers and push forward. Um if I if mean, we just yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah if we know, just, know, as as, oh, go ahead, sorry. No, 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 go ahead. I don't know, as far as like a utopia, like that would be so cool, but you know, like you said, like people can't function in it. But I believe, like, 
we can have harmony where it's like, you know, there's no like war that like that would be nice. Like, you know, at least no violent crime and no war, that would be you know, it's like, you know, in my mind, you know, like that's what we should be striving for. You know what I mean? Like when I was a kid I always thought of a world where there was no violent crime and no war and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I just was hoping God would come back and save us all. <laughs> When I was a child, because you know I went to church and I was like, man, I wish the world wasn't so, you know, just, you know. Then I got older, seeing violence growing up in the hood, and just like, man, one day, you know, I smoked a little weed growing up in high school, and I, was, and I came home one day, and I just broke down to my mom, I was like, man, why is the world so, you know, it's just like it was just so weird to me that that you know things we lived in the hood, and everything was so violent, and like people getting shot up, uh, just one particular time in my life, uh, so the gangs, war, and all that stuff. So I don't know. One day I just came home and broke down. I was just, you know, telling my mom like how bad it's out, how bad it is out there. You know what I mean? Like why is it like that? You know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You just struck a chord when you said like there couldn't be a utopia. And I was just like, man. You know but this was it though, right? I mean, that's yeah, that's yeah. the key. Um, I I think you can't attempt to change the world because it's just too big of a place. You can't yeah. attempt to change your corner of it. Your little tiny sand that we all are on this massive beach of life, um, we can't attempt to influence the other little sand grains that are next to us, right? And hope that eventually it reaches the other end. Um, I don't think it's an unrealistic expectation. When we are children, um, we believe everything is possible. It's through programming that we learn that we restrict ourselves. We really do, because then you get told constantly by society, that's not acceptable. You're unrealistic. You are a dreamer. Um, you need to be firmly planted in reality. Well, hell, I want to be firmly planted in the reality to where there is no war and there are no hungry children and everyone right. is treated equal, right? Um, as much as I as an adult. You know, that's growing up, the good guys win. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, oh, yeah. all this stuff. And then, <laughs> yeah. like, you see all this hypocritical activity when you get older. Like, you know, like, nobody really prescribed to that. <laughs> no, but you, you made a very valid point. Um, I had to remind myself of that. And, and as adults, we do. We do have to constantly remind ourselves, well, that's not how it is. And it is what it is. And you need to just accept it and move on. But a part of me, a big part of me wanting to be that rebel saying, fuck it, what do you mean? No, right? That's not how it should be. That that's not acceptable, right? Um, I responded to a tweet this morning and I really I really don't get on Twitter much. Um, my social media manager actually bans me <laughs> because I never do a tweet right. I never do it right. But I just happened to be scrolling and this, this, this lady said, my husband just died today. That's all she said all she said um and it kind of struck a chord because you know my mom's birthday's next month a couple of years since she's been gone um and it's mother's day right so she was kind of on my mind and i guess that's why for me it triggered for me to scroll down to the comments right i wanted to see a piece of humanity that offered compassion that's the truth of it and i wanted to take some of that compassion for my own right? right so i'm scrolling down in the comments and a gentleman said um, you know, he lost his wife and child to a drunk driver, um, but he's getting through it and you'll get through it too. Somebody else responded with, that's not very helpful, um, telling somebody that they're just going to get through it. And I'm like, see right there, that's the problem. Right. Why do you have to tell someone what their compassion should look like? Why do you have to tell someone what their empathy or sympathy should be like? Why do we have to have that that blanket statement that it just has to be, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss? Like, yo, if that's what worked for him and he's trying to share that, that is his idea of compassion. That is his idea of empathy because that's what worked for him, right? That's what worked right. for him. Uh, and 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 I say that to say that's exactly what happens when 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 you sit and you have that kind of creative mind and you're able to build these worlds and you're able to put that on canvas or on paper or digitally for people to see and enjoy. It is what really truly transcends and inspires us, and it does that because it gives us hope. At least for me, 
of a future where we can have that utopia. Right. Uh, that I don't hear in the back of my mind that's unrealistic. Because, you know, that's what it was, it's schooling, right? Um, every time you sit there and you was doodling or you weren't paying attention too much, it was that programming that says you have to be busy, you have to be doing something productive um, that, that, you know, that, that showed the world that, that you are a member of society, a productive member of society. What the hell does that even mean? What does that even mean? Right? <laughs> you know, what, what does that even mean? Um, so that, that's a good segue for us to, to talk about mental health. Um, Amy Winehouse loved her, loved her music, right? Loved her music. Um, yeah, yeah. Stevie Wonder, um, all of these iconic, um, figures at yeah. some point had issues with, um, substance abuse, all of it stemming back from their creative genius, right? They're so wrapped up in that creative part of their mindset, it's hard for them to be able to make the separation um, because this world is drab. It's yeah. drab and hard, and people are hard in this world. And so because they lived in this alternate state for themselves where it's the reality that they created, um, addiction became um, a way to bridge it. Yeah, I was I was like really close to becoming addicted to some substances, but you know, uh, I guess there was a different plan for me by the universe. <laughs> you like know, that. Uh, like you know, I smoked a lot of marijuana growing up, like in uh in the nineties. You know, I smoked a lot of weed, and uh, after a while, the people I was hanging out with, you know, they they kind of like they would get their rocks off by like. You know, giving me a hard time or like uh, making me have like a weird experience, you know, a bad trip. You know, wow. I'm on fire or like, is your heart beating fast? Your heart beating? You know, all this stuff like that. Like, really, <laughs> you know, like, you give me a hard time and I'll be like, oh, leave me alone, you know, whatever. But it was like all the fun when we, you know, those kids, but you know how I feel is. But uh, at one point, uh, I started like, uh, trying to see what was up with other things like, as far as like mushrooms and all that other the psychedelics. But like, I never really tried them. A friend of mine, uh, I was trying to buy some weed because like I was supposed to weed sometime to get more relaxed so I could freestyle and like, right. you know, really connect with my lyrics. <laughs> and uh, there's a guy who was selling some weed, but he didn't have any left. So he had some shrooms. I'm like, okay, just give me that. He was like, nah, man, I had to, like, you know, luckily he said, nah, man, <laughs> I would have to, like, do this with you, you know what I mean, like, to help you. Because, like, you know, you know, you know, because if you take too much, it can be bad for you or whatever. So I'm glad he did that, you know, because uh, you know, I probably would have been really tripping off of that because I never did it before, you know. But, you know, a lot of people have my back. A lot of people, you know, put into my life and uh, looked out for me. A lot of people didn't let me do certain things, you know what I'm saying? So I was glad about that, but, you know. Um, and then, and then, and there was some points in time when I got really depressed. So like you know, back in two thousand and four, I was like really, I was like twenty four years old, and uh, I became really depressed. Like I moved from the south side to the north side, and uh, it was sort of a culture, uh, a culture shock for me. I hadn't been around so many people that weren't like like me. You know what I mean? Like I was, I moved to a neighborhood that was like uh, predominantly white, and. Uh, I had roommates for the first time, you know, they were in college. I was in college, art school. So it was just like, man, we were clashing from little, little, from little, like, you know, things that happened around the apartment. It was just like petty shit, you know. But it was enough to take a toll on me a little bit. And then I was like working a nine to five, um, like Circuit City. So I had a lot of stress. And uh, my boss was like, you know, making me cut my hair, had to wear a uniform, couldn't wear certain jewelry and like really restricted my like uh, self-expression and talking down to me. It was just like a lot of crap going on. And I, and, and I moved in the, in the way I moved out of my mom's house into this apartment was like, it was really like, <clears throat> like spare the moment. And like, you know, the circumstances were a weird. So I didn't tell them I was moving out. So I had a lot of stress, you know? So I was in this new place, uh, found a new job, like luckily, you know, so I could pay my rent. And uh, basically, I started like hearing voices. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, 
just like slowly like uh, lose my mind. I suppose I don't know. I wasn't eating a lot. wasn't Didn't have a lot of money for food. Just like you know, and I was in college doing art, trying to get education, trying to get into the gaming industry. At this point, that, I feel like that was my that was going to be my savior. Like if I can get a job in the gaming industry, you know, I'll be able to you know live happily ever after. So I learned how to do three D stuff and two D animation. Just doing a lot. Just burning my kettle on both ends and mm. working going to school. So like I started like <clears throat> my reality started breaking down to some degree, you know, and. Uh, like I said, the substance drugs were, were trying to get in there because, like, I would get bored sometimes. Like, man, I'd be like, I need drugs. You know, I would say that. I'm like, man, what the? And I'd be like, think to myself, like, I don't even do drugs. What am I talking about? But at the same time, like, I'm losing my mind. So, you know, <laughs> I was smoking a lot and uh, drinking a lot of uh, alcohol at the time, like beer, because it was college age and everybody wanted to get drunk. So I was never really a fan of drinking. You know, I would rather take my cards with a burger, but. I would drink because that's what everybody else was doing. So I don't know. Eventually, it got bad, and you know, I had to go to the hospital for it. Then they diagnosed me with schizophrenia. This is in two thousand four. It got really bad. It was scary, you know. And um, I was on medication. They put me on medication. So years went on. I got it under control, you know. Now I'm uh, forty two, and <clears throat> I'm not gonna say it's been peachy, but you know. I've only had uh, another breakdown, like it had to be like six or seven years ago. So I only had two real breakdowns as far as like dealing with the mental health stuff. But I've been able to maintain, you know. But a lot, but you know, the second one I had, the second breakdown, that was because I didn't have any support system. You know, I was in a bad relationship, was not really talking to my family much. Um, I was just lonely, and I had, had nobody to talk to. So, like, that depression kicked in, and, like, man, it just, like, took me down, you know. And in the end, again, I had lived by myself again, you know. Like, after 2004, I had a lot of roommate situations. So I was, like, you know, really uh, stimulated by that. I had roommates. Usually it would be, like, somebody that, was really, that I knew that was really cool and I got along with. So that thing was cool. Then, like, uh, come around to, like, what uh six seven years ago i had my own apartment again and i was alone again and you know didn't have a job at the time trying to figure out so it was a lot like the first time but i found a job and was able to take care of the things i needed to take care of and but at the same time like neglected my mental health wasn't taking my medication at the time so you know started like slipping into that uh lonely mentality so it's always progression, you know. It is it, like immediately after you get off the medication, you start bugging out. This is, but it takes like, takes like about a year or so or two years to really fall into depression. At least for me, you know. Yeah. And for it to go sour, <laughs> but you know, I've been good since then. You know, I've been like on a steady regimen and uh, just uh, you know, taking life every day and working on things and now teaching so. Got a lot of stuff going on, you know, like good stuff, and I feel positive. Like, you know, my life has been a very interesting trip so far, <laughs> and it's been really positive in a lot of ways. And I've learned from my mistakes, so I always try to try to like just just keep my uh, a positive outlook on life, you know, and have somebody to talk to, keep a good friend, and you know, someone I can talk to around. Just in case I need to talk to somebody, you know. I think that you've touched on a myriad of subjects. So, so give me a moment to to break it down. I did not want to interrupt. I wanted you to to express it as it is for you. Um, but but there's so much of it to absorb, right? So we 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 talk about finding your way, being being on your own at that age, and then the culture shock, right? Which I think a lot of people don't really understand and i'm not going to make it about color i'm going to make it about culture um my kids were affected that way when i moved them out of brooklyn new york and into the quote-unquote wilds of pennsylvania according to my son um right um his thing was it's the middle of nowhere there are trees there's no subway i can't sleep it's too quiet um so i I'm, i'm glad you brought that up to talk about 
because um, every everyone wants to judge and wants to rush to color, but it's really right. a culture. It's a culture. Yeah, it's a set of circumstances that you have grown used to, and then you took me out of it, and I need time to adapt. It's one of the reasons why you don't take a fish and immediately put it into that water. Right. Um, and it's, it, you know, and my, my parents were the same way in that mindset. This was your life. Your life was you go to school, you graduate from high school. If you're lucky enough, you go on to college, graduate from college, you get a job, you get married, and you have some kids. And that was your life. That was the expectation. What they hadn't prepared you for was the experiences um, in between those quote unquote milestones, right? The struggle that you come into um, as you become an adult and you start to formulate your own ideology of who you are and where you should be and how you move forward. We are dependent a lot on parents and family to guide us. Um, when you go from being at home and then go into an environment, the first thing you do is cut loose and you want to be like everyone else. So you want the drinking and not going to school and not, and, and, and whatever they doing, I want to be doing too. Um, that's normal. That's normal. Right. Some people are better able to hide the effect of that quote unquote normal behavior than others. Um, and the fact that when you have been around other people for so long, you train yourself to be caught up in their chaos so that you're not alone with your chaos, right? Um, and in that environment, when you were going through that financial hardship and things were just not right with you mentally in terms of where you wanted to be spiritually, that, that last holdout, right? Um, oh, if I get into gaming or if I just keep my mind busy enough or if I just try harder or if I do something else, that will solve all of my problems, right? Um, that's the testament to, to the real issue of, of why mental health um, needs to be something that should be taught in school. Um, well-being is the way that I wanna look at it, how to stop and take assess and how you're feeling. I'm not talking about individuals that can't take a joke and I'm not talking about individuals that want to live in this rigid box. I'm talking about stopping at a point where you can recognize, hey, this might be a little bit overwhelming. That's a lot of information. Um, I need time to process, right? School should be taught that way. College should be taught that way. Jobs should be taught that way. Interactions with people should definitely be taught that way. Um, because there's a lot for you to learn and sometimes in a very rapid environment. And we are all different learners at different paces, right? So to right. take that situation, just dump you in. Um, and and I'm, I'm not saying that this was a fault. I'm just saying that you happen to be in a situation like that. That is not uncommon. Um, and, and the fact that you're able to speak to it, um, what you did to get through it, it's not a weakness. It's simply your journey. Um, I won't call it a relapse. I think you identified the fact that for you, um, you enjoy having people around. I'm the opposite. I am happiest yeah. with no one around, Liv. Yeah, I am happiest when, when literally I go out on the deck and I cannot hear a human sound for miles. I, I did not know that about myself. I did not know that having lived in New York for so long and, and other places in the United States that I had trauma. And, and I'm only using the word trauma because that's, you know, that's the new age, thing, but it's not really trauma. What it is, I didn't realize that I was programmed. Right. The first couple of nights here, dude, it, an acorn, we have a skylight in the loft. Yeah. An acorn dropped because it's a lot of trees. An acorn dropped onto the skylight, and me and the kids were all huddled in one room. <laughs> <laughs> because it was the middle of the night. Dude, there's no oh light. Like, it's the middle of the night, and that one sound just sounded like a gunshot, right? In the middle of the yeah. night, we're in one room going, You go check. I'm not going. You go check. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, hilarious. But, but do you know what it is? That's what it is. 
right? In New York, you've got the hustle and bustle. You're so focused on your environment, it's hard to focus on you. And then you pulled you out, and now all of a sudden you've got all this quiet for your mind to start highlighting those are the flaws that we have ignored about ourselves for so long. And then right. magnifying it because we're not in a good space mentally and then making it worse, right? Yeah. Um, wow. The fact that you were able to identify that, hey, there's something going on with me and I know what those triggers are. Um, and I know what works for me and what doesn't. Um, because you hear, you hear a word like schizophrenia yeah. um, immediately. What do you think of? You think of every movie you've ever seen, right? right? right. And then you just think of this crazy person with a knife. <laughs> I don't know why that's the imagery, right? I don't know why that's the imagery. Or better yet, that's better the narrative yet. that Hollywood's tell. You know, what I'm exactly, exactly. They, they never show you a story about a nice guy who has it and doesn't do anything to anybody. Like, <laughs> yep, yep, you know, exactly. Big <laughs> <laughs> it's immediately what comes to mind. I'll bet you, and I'll give you a prime example. Um, did you ever watch 12 Monkeys or read the book? I saw it, yeah. Bruce Willis, oh. yeah, yeah. Well, that's actually the movie. Um, but the series that was on sci fi, I'm a huge sci fi knot, as you can oh. tell. <laughs> I'm a huge geek, I'm a huge geek, okay. Oh. <laughs> My geek gum is showing. Um, but the character in that, that that series was per, a person that traveled in the past into the present um, and then back to the future and, and, and back and forth. And so that line for her became very blurred that she would constantly be talking, diagnosed with schizophrenia, um, yeah. right? But, but she was just in between those worlds going back and forth. Now, I am not in any way saying that um, schizophrenia is not a real thing. I'm simply saying that when we talk about it as a society, when we think about it, uh, um, or anybody mentions it, our thought immediately goes to a crazy person. Right. That's the imagery that comes to mind. That's the that's the narrative that comes to mind. Um, anybody else who who was tuning in up to that point would never, never as calm and as jolly and as engaging as you are, Glyph, would say. Right. What is he talking about? What, 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 you know, can I, you know, what's your prescription, bro? Because, right? <laughs> can a sister get on? Oh, because it, it, it's, it's, it's just the programming that we were given. And I right. absolutely love that you felt comfortable enough to speak on that here with me. I'm talking about mental health, especially in the BIPOC community is difficult because for us in our community, and I'm West Indian, um, you know, and being the parent of, of twins that were on the spectrum, I was not only fighting the healthcare system to get them the best of care, I was fighting the educational system and I was fighting my family, right? Because those were things you just didn't talk about. So he had a little different. Don't pay that no mind. He gonna be fine. Go pray, go to church, right. take him to church, right? Not, yeah. yeah. You know, it, that that was predominantly my family's response. And so I couldn't depend on them for help or or support in the way that I needed it. Um, for you, you got that support because you, you, you said later on when you did have an episode again, you were immediately able to identify that something's going on. This is what I need to do. Um, I had stopped taking my medication. And I'm glad you talked about that because it's not something sudden. Just like the medication takes time to build up in your system and you have to find the right doses and it's many trials and errors, right? Because you still wanna be you, right? You still want to be able to do the things you wanna do. Um, it took you some time to get there and now the time frame between then and now. And the question I wanna know, what happened to your art during that time? Did you, did you where's the art from that time? Because I, for me, I am fat, and this might be so bad, this might sound so bad, but I bet your art from that time frame is going to be kick-ass. Because it's going to identify the chaos of your mind, and to me, that's beautiful. Well, I don't know, it seems like when I was, like, heavily medicated, like, I didn't feel myself, you know what I mean? Like, mm. uh, I was nervous a lot, and had a lot of extra energy, and I couldn't really focus, and 
I need to walk around the block. You know what I'm saying? It's like most of the time, like the medication is what makes you act weird because it's like doing stuff to your brain and making you like jumpy and like giddy and can't sit still. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. you know, you keep applying peace. You know what I mean? Like when I was on that medication heavy, I couldn't really like uh, relax. You know what I'm saying? I had to like, and I like, <clears throat> and I was in school. So I would ask to like, can I be excused for a second? I would go walk around the block. You know, I was downtown going to school. So I was like, they were like okay, I'll go walk out. I'll go outside and walk around for a minute and go have a cigarette. Back when I smoked, I'm glad I don't smoke anymore. I was like, no, smoking is bad for you. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I, I like the plug. I like, yeah, I like, I like the health plug, man. Listen, I'm going to die with a Pepsi and a cigarette in my hand and I'll die happy. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. It's like, uh, Oh, damn, I don't remember like if I had any of my art left from then, but um, a lot of stuff you see on my website is actually from like a time where I was on my medication, but I, I wouldn't take it as much. You know what I'm saying? I was like, I started like self diagnosing myself and self medicating more, and then like taking that stuff because it, it made me feel too weird. Like eventually they they put me on a different medication, so like yeah. Yeah. when they changed the medication, I could take it a lot easier. And um, but the thing was, it made me drowsy. So like, I'd be taking like yeah. hour energies every day, trying to like you know compensate for the drowsiness. And eventually, uh, it would stop making me feel drowsy. But it, it had me like nodding off. So like a lot of this stuff is from that era. A lot of stuff on my website is from the era where I was learning how to like not take it as much. So like I was getting a lot of like a lot of my creativity was free flowing. That's what uh, I like about it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's what I absolutely love the most about it. Um, my daughter is bipolar um, and suffers, and I hate saying that. She doesn't suffer. Her, her abilities are just different. Yeah. Um, and that was always one of her biggest complaints about having to take her medication was that I don't feel myself. Um, and I think it's important that we touch on that. Right. Um, you said you didn't feel yourself. It made you numb to the world and it made you numb to, to who you felt you are. I, I will tell you as a parent, I ignored her when she said that right. um, because I was so focused on my role, which was to protect her even from herself. Right. Um, but I wasn't listening to her. Right. I, I wasn't hearing what she had to say. Um, because you go to the doctor and the doctor has all these degrees. And so he's always right. I have since learned, um, because I took the time, um, and I made the effort to truly understand, um, what can work for her because she's unique as an individual and what cannot work for her. Um, and her is art. Um, when she is having those days, it's important that I have a variety of her art supplies for her. Um, what helps her process, right? Instead of doubling down on the medication. Um, it has been trial and error. Um, and you're absolutely correct. When you, cause I, I, I wanna clarify the term self-medicate. You say self-medicate and somebody thinks you're swinging back pills and, and drinking a bottle of tequila to go to bed at night. Um, no. I'm not knocking anybody's process. If that works for you, that works for you. But I think when we talk about self-medicate, we're talking about self-soothing. That's actually the correct term for it. It's self-soothing. Self-soothing. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Um, and, and what that does is, even as adults, right, um, for my son, it's materials. It's very soft, almost um, Sherpa-type materials that soothes him. He's a oh. pillow. Nobody can touch it. No, nope, he will travel six foot three, 200 pounds, and full beard, right? Yeah. And when he travels, he will take his pillow. <laughs> like, no problem. Like, say something, right? right, right. <laughs> say something. You know what I mean? It's a red pillow. He takes right. his pillow. Hey, mama. Right? Hey, mama. This is recorded, Jeff. Um, oh, okay. so, uh, <laughs> so he takes his pillow, right? And it, with, I say that to say that it's self-soothing. Even as an adult, we have to have something that settles us 
Um, and if you take all of those options away, if you just leave us numb um, to settle the mind without replacing it with something else, um, we will always feel less than whole. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Because, yeah, that's like, <laughs> it leaves you kind of naked when you don't have, you know, like, you, I mean, those medications are strong, you know, like, I was taking Respinol, and, like, I don't know if you saw the movie Old Boy, but they used that to knock him out. Like, they would wow. put him on Respinol, and they'd knock him out, and go in the room and, like, change stuff around. Like, that shit is strong, you know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> and, and, like, and, like and, I, and I think I was on, like, the maximum dosage. Wow. So, like, I had to be, like, on the high doses of it, like, 